Well, hello and welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the Ulfire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at Ulfire. At Ulfire, we specialise in helping organisations get the most from their virtual teams through helping them understand how team members interact and collaborate when they're not physically joined and working together. This is episode number 11 and and today we're going to be discussing some of the common problems that occur when a business starts to use a virtual team approach to its work. So some of the drivers that will encourage a business to look that way but then once they get so far down the track we'll realise that the, the benefits maybe aren't coming the ways that they expected them. As with all of our podcasts, there is an accompanying blog article on the Ulfire website. So that's www.ulfire.com.au. So please do check the website out for uh, additional information and for other podcasts and other articles that may be of interest. So problems associated with establishing a virtual team and starting to work with them. So many of these problems will actually be based on a misunderstanding of the reasons why an organisation embarked on working with a virtual team model in the first place. Typically, companies will look at this model and think, oh, we can save money, we can get access to all these extra skills, we can, um, we, can, we can suddenly start to find ways to deliver jobs quicker, to use, uh, to use different techniques and so forth. And what they'll do is dive in using the methods and approaches and techniques that have stood them in good stead in historical projects and in historical um, general sort of business undertakings. So they'll take their existing procedures, their existing practices, their existing people, their existing structures and infrastructures, and then simply spread the work geographically around a number of offices. Now, when this happens, typically each different office will have its own culture. It'll have its own ways of approaching work. Each culture will work well for that office, but it may not work well when that office is forced, um, and sometimes it does feel like being forced, but when that office is put into a position where it has to collaborate with its office business partners around the world. So a culture that works well in one country and a system and a set of processes that work well in one country will not necessarily work well in another. So a lot of businesses, they'll start out and say, yep, we're going to go this way. We're going to use the culture of our home office or we're going to use the whole culture of one of our other offices rather than look at their business as a holistic perspective and try and find a way where they can find the most effective way for the entire business to move forwards. And sometimes that means developing a whole new set of procedures and practices Sometimes it means finding ways to isolate particular practices so that they only are applied within the culture and the country in which that practice is most applicable. So that particular thing, that fixing the right systems, is very, very important right up front. 
Ignoring culture is probably the second area where things can start, can start to go wrong. That an organisation will dive in and just assume this is our corporate culture, again, without really considering whether the culture that they have in one office, be that the head office or be that in other offices, whether that culture is actually the culture of the entire organisation or if it's just a subculture within the organisation that is applied in particularly visible areas. The culture for successful virtual teams has to be a culture of out-and-out collaboration. Everybody has to be there to serve, for want of a better expression, to serve the common good of the organisation. So everybody has to be has to be of a culture where they will they will do their absolute utmost to support their virtual colleagues, to support the people who they don't meet, who they don't see, who they don't know, and who will speak different languages, will potentially look a little bit different, and will be located in places where the the national culture may mean that they work and their they approach their work in quite a different way. So again, the the company needs to really consider its own culture and the culture in which each of its offices operate to make sure that that culture fits and that that culture is incorporated into its management and leadership style when it starts to step into a virtual team approach. Which moves us on to the next challenge, the next problem that a lot of companies will will encounter and that is understanding the leadership style. Uh, most business leaders in single location businesses have become very successful because because they work well in the pervading culture where that business is located. They have a particular approach to business, they have a network, they have an, a leadership style which works intuitively in that marketplace. Now just because someone works really well in one market does not necessarily mean that they will automatically be able to work firstly in another market as a standalone leader or whether they will be able to lead across different centres and across different uh, locations and across different cultures. The, the strengths and the leadership skills needed to be able to lead in a multicultural and in a multi-centre um, environment are different and additional to the traditional skills that are needed for a business leader when they're in a single centre location and a single centre business. So again, you need to look for different kinds of leadership skills, you need to build different leadership skills, and you need to build a leadership model within the organisation that supports the virtual team approach. So you need collaborative leaders, even if those leaders are tasked with only leading in their business centre, those leaders need to be extremely good collaborators and they need to be very good at dealing across cultures and across um, physical and temporal and geographic barriers with their virtual team colleagues at the leadership level. So there are many ways that this leadership style can be considered and addressed but it is again fundamentally something that a lot of businesses will overlook. The next problem um, is that many businesses will jump into the virtual team approach because they see it as a way to cut costs. So they'll look at it and say, oh, we can, we can send a big chunk of our work to this other country or this other office because that office is cheaper. Now the actual fundamental 
saving of costs is often seen at a at a at a cost per unit hour of labor for instance and that does not necessarily take into account um, productivity it doesn't necessarily take into account how much time needs to then be spent in communications and it doesn't take into account a lot of the cultural and knowledge and skill differences so somebody who is listed in one country as having a particular skill set those skills may not be um, 100% matching the skills of someone with the same job description and the same theoretical skill set in another country. So you need to take very careful account of how those skills are, are considered in a cross-cultural and in a, in a multi-centre um, virtual team environment because it's not always going to be a cost-cutting exercise to send work away. In fact, in some cases, it can actually turn out to be more expensive. Even if the unit labour rate is slightly cheaper where you move the work to, if it takes you longer to do the work, or if you need to employ more interface people to, to manage the relationships between the offices, there can, be a, there can be an incremental increase in the costs that's not always considered when things are being set up. Then finally, for just to keep this podcast down to a reasonable time frame, um, dealing with problems when they occur can also be quite a challenge. If, um, if a business is quite new to a virtual team approach, it can be sometimes the case that the business leaders are not always tuned in and switched on quite right to capture some of the problems as they occur. So business leaders need to make very, very careful judgments in terms of how they assess and how they govern and oversee the work that's being done. They need to make sure that they provide lots of support and lots of mentoring and lots of leadership and guidance to the people who are tasked with actually managing the virtual teams. And they also need to make sure that they facilitate the provision of the right appropriate technology to allow these team members to communicate and on occasion to spend a little bit more money on travel simply because uh, as it's well known it makes it very much easier to work with people in other locations if you've met with them and spent some time with them. So those are just a few fundamental things to watch out for when you're setting up and um, and establishing a virtual team. Things that could trip people up along the way um, and uh, look there are many many other challenges out there to making your virtual team effective if you've got any experiences if you've got any observations we would love to hear from you so please do feel free to uh, to put some comments on the old fire website and um, I look forward very much to speaking to you in future episodes thank you <laughs>